The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You said what you're feeling is juicy joy, juicy joy. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Happy hustle season, beauties. Are you staying in your joy? Are you holding on to your shreds of sanity and your holiday zen during this time that it's not always easy to do that? I hope you had a beautiful experience lowering your mask these past few weeks with your home play. And I'm so excited to continue that conversation thread actually today with our fascinating guest. Ian Haycroft is a kinesiologist and a mentor based in Australia. Ian has international relief and business experience spanning more than four decades and has combined this experience with his kinesiology work over the past 20 years. Ian and his wife Kim raised their six children while living in the United States, China, New Zealand, and Australia. He's got a gorgeous place he's living now he was showing me that I'm I'm very jealous of. Ian's focus is to assist people in the discovery of who they really are and to bring that discovery to their everyday life. Welcome, Ian. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Great to meet you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I've been excited to get to talk to you. I love all the work that you do. And I love that last bit of your bio because it's been a theme that keeps coming to the forefront on this podcast. On the last episode with Paul Boyton, we hadn't set out to go in that direction necessarily, but a noisy situation caused me to shift locations and finish the podcast in the closet, which of course rolled into this whole metaphor about all the ways that all of us are in the closet, and it's just a perpetual coming out as we gradually unmask more and more to ever greater degrees to become who we authentically are, and that's what we made into their home play for the last two weeks. So that's pretty much the point of why we're all here, isn't it? Just to do that unmasking. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, kind of getting off the cushion and living it every day is the uh, the trick. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not really a trick, but it's the. I think it's the point. We we do so much to um, try to discover ourselves in all kinds of exercises and things, which is wonderful. But uh, I discovered myself that um, you know sitting on the cushion was wonderful, but uh, I had to figure out how do I do that being a parent working in a job meeting other people in all kinds of different situations so that's the i think the the great challenge yes yes we are of one mind there i always say this is the do joy podcast because it's not not going to really help to listen about joy or learn about joy you have to be able to take those practices out into your experience which is you know something that we'll give them today at some point from our our conversation we'll sort of hone in on here's a practice that you can take for the next two weeks over holiday time actually in this case so that will that will naturally emerge i'm sure but yes i love that you pointed that out that sitting on the cushion or listening to those podcasts which i'm so grateful y'all listen to the podcast or reading the books it's all just a starting point and the the default setting changes the life changes your vibration changes when you take all of that into your day-to-day experience yeah 
you just feel so so peaceful and centered and grounded to me and I know that's the frequency that a lot of listeners need to tap into during this holiday season more than ever probably here we are singing carols about joy and peace or lighting ceremonial candles whichever of our customs or religious dictates dictates we're uh, subscribing to and it's all meant to be about wholeness and reverence and we access that from stillness so what does our silly culture do it turns it into the busiest most frenetic anxiety producing season of the whole year right so i love that you and i are together today addressing ways to access that stillness that that you called it the joy and the quiet the whispering wisdom within yeah i mean i i I have such um really fond memories of when when we lived in the states on the east coast we lived in um, virginia for a few years near near washington dc but we would go home to kim's my wife's parents place which is in the berkshires in western massachusetts like a beautiful beautiful uh forest setting beautiful in the autumn and at thanksgiving and christmas time we always go home with the kids and we had six kids right Mm. And, uh, it, I have such beautiful memories, lots of beautiful memories. One, of course, the chaos of six kids and presents and all of that. Um, but, you know, as an Australian, one thing I never experienced in my growing up was to be out in the woods in the snow, right? And I, I recall taking the kids out. You know, my wife was raised this way, but for me it was... We'd go out and, you know, often at that time of year, there was a lot of snow and we'd just go out into the woods and just walk in the snow and while it snowed, right? Mm. And it was so quiet, right? It was just, you know, I think it was so overpowering in the sense that the kids who are, you know, a bunch of chatterboxes and crazy people most of the time um, would just uh, naturally in awe of the silence, you know, just like, wow. You know, and it was for a short time because then they had to turn it into snowballs and have a fight, right? But, um, but I, you know, I recall that silence. Um, and at the time, I probably didn't interpret it the way I would these days, right? But I, you know, in my memory, it touched me to, um, you know, that silence was the, actually the home of real joy. Yeah. Ah, that's such a beautiful memory. And I, I can remember that as well. I grew up in the Northeast. I'm down in Florida now, but, but the snow does just offer a special kind of quiet. It's the, it's like a visual quiet as well as a like all sensory quietude. It, it's, it's a beautiful reflection. Yeah, yeah. And I think so many of us are, you know, we get caught up, right? I mean, holidays are wonderful, right? And there's a wonderful joy in family and, and the, you know, the, the excitement, um, but you know, it's uh, I, you know, it's one of those things that I think are worth learning, right? Which is actually being able to hold ourselves in that silent place within, and enjoy the chaos and enjoy the family or whatever it is, right? So, I think sometimes people feel that they're mutually exclusive, right? That you can have quiet inner peace uh, when you're on the cushion or doing yoga or meditate or whatever it is you're doing. And then you've got to kind of deal with the world, right? But actually, I think the the gift is we can do both. Mm-hmm. We can have the that inner silence and peace and joy um, deep within, and be excited about life and the world. They're, they're not actually mutually exclusive. In fact, they they go better together. They're the same thing, actually. It's beautifully said. Yes, we don't have to be at effect of our external circumstances. We think that the external circumstances are what's dictating our internal experience, and we can learn to to shift the directionality of that so that our internal experience does more to affect our external circumstances yeah. than vice versa. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. I know. I you think. Would... Um, go ahead. Sorry, you go. No, no, go you go. I know. I was just going to say. I mean, we talk. You know. Um, before that, because uh, in my work as a kinesiologist, right, I often work with people now on Zoom, right, all over the world, which is funny. Um, and people often go, "How do you do?" Because kinesiology, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about kinesiology, right? And it involves a muscle test, right, using muscle tests to access information in the body mind, 
and particularly unconscious information people go how do you do that on zoom right <laughs> that's that's not possible surely that's just weird and uh, but actually we're just energy right so we can actually um we can connect to each other and works just the same actually right so but in that work so often it's about helping people discover um experiences in their past stories in the past that are now held unconsciously so they but they still am, impact their lives but they they you know so often people wonder why do i keep doing that what you know whatever it is what you know why do relationships that i have seem to last just three years and then fall apart or, or what you know why do i constantly get a cold when you know i i, I seem to eat right and do that you know, all those things that you know so there's so many elements of our life that are um, influenced by the stories or the experiences we hold, particularly emotional experiences in our unconscious, right? And I think what people tend to do is, I often use the analogy of, we try to move the toys around in our cot, right? Where uh, we go, if I just have this and arrange my life like this, then I'll be happy, right? And then, you know, whether it's a new job, new car, new relationship, whatever it is, you know, and then that falls, that doesn't work. And so then we go, okay, I need to rearrange the toys again and again. And me too. I mean, that's my life too. Right. Um, but I think then we we finally get to the point of realizing, oh, okay, it's not about rearranging the toys about the objects of existence in the world. It's actually about understanding who I really am and therein lies the joy, not the stuff, right? So most people, I think, know that, really. But most of us get to know it through our failures, right? We, we run into those brick walls and go, oh, okay, that didn't work. Okay, now let's try another one. And we, we repeat, you know, until we get to the point, I think, where we go, okay, clearly it's not the things, the stuff, the relationships, it's something much more fundamental and you know I think that's where we need the quiet we need the quiet to discover the fundamental and uh, I think once people begin to experience that then it's something that grows I think you know some people I think get a massive kind of you know what they might call enlightenment experience right um, but I think many many of us it's a gradual process whereby we begin to discover Mm, there's something much more deeply important about being this human so help let me discover that and when we experience that more and more then it's a process i think of spending more time in that place you know and time not just in a hours and in a day but the essential kind of non-time time where that the presence within um and then uh, i think that then changes the way we arrange the toys in the cot, right? We, we realize yeah, we can do this and that, and that's all good, but that's not the source of my joy. You know, it's a wonderful thing, you know, but it's the real wonders within, you know, I think that's the challenge. Mm, you articulate that so beautifully. I could listen to you talk about that all day. Yes. In Joy School, we always say we're just moving the pieces around the game board. It really, you know, none of it is as important as it feels like it is or we think it is because it's just, just these little pieces that we're moving around and, and it's not what really matters like you've so beautifully described. It's all our internal landscape is what's creating the external landscape anyway. So why not focus there and find the joy there and find the peace there? Beautiful, uh, yeah. beautiful reminder of that. And this is the work that you do with people through your kinesiology you help to determine some of those stories that are running typically under conscious attention right we, we sometimes have some ideas what those stories are we've pointed to things in the past that might have created these beliefs and limitations for us but how do you um, pull them up is it all done through the muscle testing primarily well, yeah, primarily, yes, right? But I think, uh, and I, I, I always say to people I work with, right, the, the healer in the room is not me, it's you, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm not the healer. The, the muscle testing technique, I think, is a wonderful technique in the sense that we can ask the mind-body system, 
using a yes or not yes, a strong response from the muscle system or a weak response, to then begin to discover stuff. It, be, it becomes a, a process of elimination, right? Because the essential, you know, and there's lots of kinds of kinesiology, right? But, um, you know, the essential point is that there's a muscle test which can help uh, help each of us discover something that's, that the system is dealing with, right? So a strong response on the muscle system is, I'm okay with this. A weak response is, I'm not okay with this, right? So then it's a binary system, so we can start to eliminate possibilities, right? So I say to people, you know, that essentially everything that ever happened in our lives, um, and some would say in other lives, but that's another story, um, on a physical, chemical, emotional, and energetic level, it's all stored within, in the cells, in the body, mind, and in the energy that gives life to the cells to right so so there's a lot of stories stored in there many from childhood where we didn't really have the tools to deal with some of the sometimes really difficult elements of living on the planet and in relationship with people and parents who aren't perfect right so the muscle testing is really just a process of elimination to come to a point and go it appears this occurred at this age and you know, people often will have the experience of going, yeah, of course, I knew that, you know, so, um, and then we are by nature designed to be in balance, right? So once, you know, I call it, people often say, well, how does this work? How does it cure anything, right? I say, well, conscious recognition, it's the system recognizes something that was previously kind of hidden for very good reason, because our unconscious is just trying to protect us, you know, so, um, so I use that process with people, but I also say that there's a limit to this, right? In the sense that um, if people are going to come to me for 10 years and there's something wrong, right? So I, I always say, look, there's, well, my, my honest sense these days, and that's changed over time, right? Is that there's some real value in discovering some of the key elements unconsciously that um, are tripping us up or potentially getting in the way of really important parts of our life. But I think once we recognize that that's true, then um, then it becomes actually much more a spiritual practice. So initially I see it as kind of a, a technique to help, right? It's a door opener, right? But then I think it becomes a, a more a spiritual practice in the sense of going, see, there's a whole bunch of stories in there. Now, we can go hunting for every single story and it'll take a long time, but actually if you go beyond the stories to the deep source of who you really are, then the stories will begin to release themselves. They don't need to be around, you know, because there's a much deeper recognition of um, who we really are, which is, you know, I often call it the wisdom within. I mean, pick a name, right? I mean, there's the wisdom within, God, presence, awareness, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, we are that. Right? And when, I think when, um, so I, I, I think often that kinesiology is just a door opener, right? And then because, you know, you do, although we need other people to help us and support us, someone like me, you know, you don't need me for 10 years, you know, just, you know, let's do this until it becomes natural for you to see the stories arising, right? And go, oh, okay, there's another story. I don't, do I actually need that one? No, you know, so it becomes that, um, you know, in, in often in mindful meditation, we talk about witnessing what's going on, our thoughts or our emotions, right? But actually, we can also become very adept, I think, at seeing the unconscious stories or emotions arise and seeing them coming, right? And similarly then go, well, okay, is that essentially me? Answer, no. So do I need it? Probably not let me let it go that's okay you know and then so then we were then we more often reside in that quiet place in the snow you know when mm. we reside there rather than um you know in the noise yeah. so that's the that's the the short answer of, of a long story i guess yeah oh, that's beautiful i've checked off a lot of my questions and so these stories i mean 
we, we gradually become more and more cognizant that we don't need to believe our thoughts, that thoughts are arising from these fallacies that we integrated at a very young age based on the emotional maturity that we had at the time, the ability to process these things. And I, I feel like I heard you saying that sometimes just awareness of the stories is enough to have their power sort of dissipate. And then did you also say that sometimes we don't even have to know what the stories are? It just becomes natural enough to, to just have, at the level of feeling the trigger or the emotional response, we can just assume there's a story even if we aren't cognizant of what it is? Yeah, yeah. No, and I think most of the stories are like that, right? I, I think... Um, you know, there, there are many people who, who've experienced, you know, what other people call trauma. I mean, I mean, serious stuff, right? So I don't, I don't take it lightly in, in that sense, right? Because, um, you know, something like sexual abuse, which is so prevalent, right? Um, that's, that's a huge impact on a child, massive impact, and then obviously impacts people's intimate relationships, all kinds of elements of their life, right? So it's not, um, well, you know, let's go hunting, have fun, and then get rid of a few, few things. Some of those things are profoundly important to release, right? And um, and often people give up, right? And in fact, I often feel like people come to me, people say, well, how do people come, why do they come to you? And I often it's because I've tried everything else and, and given up, right? And uh and so, so I take that process of finding things very seriously. And um, but even those those things, it's a story in the sense that, particularly when we're a child, we're impacted in certain ways, and we have none of the skills to overcome them or even understand what's going on. And so, hence, you know, so many people who have abuse have are guilty. They feel guilt throughout that. You know, for what? I mean, logically. They're, they're not the guilty party, right? So there's so much to move in that. But I think when people begin to uh, let go of the fear of actually looking at these things and go, this cannot destroy me. Because I, the, the I that I really am, is infinite, divine, beyond all destruction, right? Then it empowers people to go, oh, okay, so even that does not have to um, control my life. I can release that and then build a story, a new story based on who I really am, not from the childhood point of view, which is by, by nature doesn't know what to do. Right? So, um, you know, so it's even beneath what appear to be really trauma, and they are traumatic for people, beneath that, therein lies incredible peace and joy that transcends even those things right you know uh, if that's not true then we're really in big trouble right in the world <laughs> so um i believe it's true from my own experience and the experience of others who i've seen really just um, come to a place in their lives where they are uh, actually free to do things that they previously thought were too difficult Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's true. You can you can create an entirely different life for yourself that looks entirely different externally because you've changed so much internally that it just starts creating that way. I love how you're yeah. I love how you're talking about it. This is like a lot of, of what we, we talk about here, but you have a really beautiful, um, peaceful, articulate way to uh to verbalize it. So very uh very touched by your earnest approach let me say it that way and with the the kinesiology i totally understand how it could you know work over zoom energy is non-local these are just meat sacks that we're using as avatars anyway i get how we can meet in that place and and do the zoom work i'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to kinesiology i um i interviewed larue epler a few episodes back we've become good friends since she does a, a test and tap method that she teaches and i'm very excited to learn kinesiology and yet I'm saying I'm very excited to take her class we might do it through my joy school in the spring um, and at the same time there's this part of me that has always relegated that to sort of like the way I think of psychics or people who just have this natural gift 
so I'm wondering, you know, is, is it, in your opinion, a skill that can be learned? And if so, is it a, a easier thing for some people to learn than others based on just innate energetic nature? Wow, then that's a great question. Um, so I think the short answer is yes, anybody can learn it. Right? I mean, the muscle testing technique I can teach in five minutes, right? I mean, it's learning how to, and yeah, so people, you know, do it on an arm, they hold out someone's arm and they push down or they get a strong response and a weak response. And then from there, once people go, oh, okay, that actually happens, even, you know, because people actually, when they experience it, go, wow, I thought I could hold my arm up and I can't, right? So it's, it's a great party trick, actually, because you get some, you know, guys who worked out in the gym and is muscle bound and you can actually get his, you know, hold your arm out and, and stop me from pulling it down, right? And, and uh, you know, and if it's something positive, they can hold it and they're really strong, look at me, and then you find something that their system is not okay with. And then their arm drops and they're like, oh, you know, so... <laughs> So the technique, the technique of muscle testing is um, not really that difficult to learn, right? It's a, um, and so can everybody do it? I think it's easier for some than others, just by nature, you know. Um, there's a uh, there's a writer that I really like who's passed away now, an American called uh, David Hawkins, mm. and, and he wrote Power versus Force and a lot of other quite incredible books all of which he started when after he was 65 right I mean he was um, amazing I think amazing and uh, one of the things that he took and he talks about using a muscle test not just for the personal elements of our life but actually you can use a muscle test to test levels of consciousness right and he and he goes into great deal of it detail about that and he would and he uses a scale of zero to a thousand a, a logarithmic scale where each emotion emotional state or consciousness state is mapped right it has a vibrational and, frequency right is that his yeah, 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 yeah. that scale exactly. it's beautiful yeah and he would say up to 200 is where all the negatives anger grief guilt you know all of that is below frequency below 200 which you can test using a muscle test and he would say people who kind of um whose life currently resides below 200 or um the muscle testing may not be accurate interesting right? because I think, yeah because i think and my own interpretation of that is um I, I i i and i don't have any uh, objective evidence for this other than to say that um you know people say well can you use a muscle test to figure out you know which is the lottery numbers I should use, right? So you can't test anything in the future, right? You can test anything in the past and the present. And my experience is that if you're doing it for the sake of the other person, then a lot of amazing things can be understood. But if it's for selfish reasons, then I wouldn't trust it, right? Even myself, right? I've been doing this for a long time now. The two hardest people to really test using a muscle test is myself right and my wife right because separating my own needs and my own biases from what's best for her is much more challenging than someone i didn't meet who's on zoom from germany right or whatever you know so so th there is that environment where i think I, I i have a practice where before i start working with someone i i really i sit quietly right and i take myself, my my small self idea of myself, you know, out of the way, right? Because I don't want people to go, look at me, he's such a cool kinesiology. So, well, this guy walks on water, he does all this great stuff. Well, you know, that's just all um, silliness, right? I want to get out of the way so that then the muscle test is really for the sake of that person's highest path, right? So sometimes people, when they're really hurting and they're stuck in, a lot of stuff it's hard for them to get to that place right to be able to go this is just for the sake of another you know not impossible but more difficult right so um, I think it does take a certain kind of pathway to get to the point where you realize uh, can I be just of service to somebody for, for no payoff nothing just to help that's you know that can be challenging so there can everybody do it i i think that's the only proviso yeah from my point of view 
Yeah, that, that brings to mind Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like when, when we're at the lower levels and there's so much that we need for ourselves personally, it's naturally going to be a lot harder to act on behalf of others. And we can access that compassion and that empathy as we as we go up, you know, on Maslow's hierarchy as well. So I see how, and, and I see how personal investment, I have a lot of friends who are, are extremely intuitively gifted and so spot on, just knocking it out of the park right and left for everyone else who can't get the, the answers for themselves. And I understand that there's just so much emotion involved there that, that clouds it. it and even as pure as intuition can be, or, or maybe is, is intended to be, it has to come through the human filter and the human vessel and if there's a lot clouding that that communication device it's going to come through and yeah we typically are much less invested in other people's stuff than we are our own yeah yeah and i think you know david hawkins used to say that the the ego is incredibly tricky and devious and and uh uh smart it's been practicing for centuries right so you know from the non-dual perspective right the ego is just an illusion right but it's um uh persistent one uh, persistent yeah so you know and he and i think he was really wonderful and he said the ego is not evil it's just learned evolutionarily speaking to work for our survival so now we don't we don't have to run away from woolly mammoths and tigers so much anymore but emotionally we're often looking for a survival out right and often it's just a total story un unnecessary right but tricky Right. So um, I think it's always good to be vigilant for uh, even when you've had, you know, I, you know, there's plenty of gurus who went kind of off the rails a bit. Right. Because it didn't doesn't mean that their initial or their experience of enlightenment or whatever they would call it wasn't real. But it's pretty easy for your, for your own needs to get it, what your own perceived needs to get in the way. Right start doing stuff that like really <laughs> so i think we have to be ever vigilant yeah but not fearfully but just keep an eye out for uh, our self our self needs getting in the way yeah small self needs sure so you think that yeah. um somebody who's sort of worked on their level of consciousness through whatever means is going to be able to uh, do muscle testing more easily for others still understanding that it's always challenging yeah. for self yeah. yeah, so I mean, I think the technique's easy to learn, right? It, the I think it's having any, the trust in it. I think I've been taught the techniques, but I don't trust that, that my reads are correct. No, exactly right. So then it becomes, that's the trick. Or No, it's not a trick. I think that's the skill, right? Again, I say to people, I'm not the healer. I'm just a traffic cop, right? I'm just testing yes or not yes, right? So strong or not strong, right? Um, but part of the skill then becomes... Um, well, I think the, the, the majority of the skill is, can I get myself in a place where I only have the, the, the highest path of this person uh, as my as what I'm doing, right? Not how cool I am, how smart I am, how great I am, look at me, I'm so, all of that. All of which I've experienced in my life, right? Like, it's like, I remember when I first started doing this, you know, uh, it was like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to come up with a really cool interpretation. I've got to, this has got to sound smart and guruish and, oh gosh, you know, let me, let me think about how I'm going to say this. Right. And then after a while I realized, you know, you know, that's just, uh, that's just a crock. <laughs> it's just not necessary. Right. <laughs> yeah. My impression of you is that you're, you're there, you're there holding the highest for the other person. I don't, I don't feel uh, much ego in the way there. Yeah, it wasn't always that way though, right? I'm the, you know what I, that's that that's the path, right? I think we're all we all you know, and even you know, often as you say, you could people use a pendulum or muscle test and they can do it, but then they start doubting, you know, no, it can't be that, can't be that, right? And uh, I think for me that the the process is just beginning to trust, mm -hmm. trust that which comes, right? And then trust the intuition, trust the because. These days, and again, I think this is true for many who do this kind of work, I kind of know what the, the muscle test is going to do before I do it, right? That's not because I'm so special. It's because I think we humans 
vastly underestimate how intuitively sensitive we are to what's going on with another, right? We just, um, everybody's psychic, actually. They just don't practice, right? So, and it's not that therefore everyone has to be psychic, right? But it's, um, but, you know, when you, when you do this as a, a living or, a, you know, what you do all the time, then you become just by nature, it's like football. If you practice lots of football, you get good at it. If you, part of what you're doing is trying to be there for others and intuit or understand what's essentially going on, then that's what you get. You start to go, oh, so, and th then the intuitions or the, you know, again, I used to muscle test and have to come up with some really cool answer for people. Now I muscle test and I just be quiet, right? And I say this to people, I said, look, if there's a long silence, it's okay, just waiting for insight, right? And then wait and wait and wait and then insight will come. Mm -hmm. And then you go, share that with the person. And, and if you, I think, uh, do it at practice enough, then the insight can be helpful for others. Yeah, so it's not, um, that's just practice. And I think none of it's, uh, only only we special people can do this. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think um, so many people underestimate how special they are, right? They just, they don't practice it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a downside to that too, right? Because, um, you know, you do this enough that, like I find it hard to go to a mall, right? Because <laughs> oh, yeah. if, I, if I go shopping, right, and go to a mall, I, I actually have to do a bit of a ceremony before I go, right, just to go... Okay, You're only sure good in and out, right? Yeah, right. Because if I, I walk and I look look into someone's eyes walking along shopping, <laughs> I'll get their life, right? You know, it's like oh, oh, you know that. So, um, but again, that's a that's a small thing. It's you know, uh, but I think we all have that capacity, and that's, uh, I mean, to think that we're really separate from other people is just a, a myth, actually. That we just have to. Over time, and you know, we humans will figure that out, I think, because it's the truth. Yeah. We're, we're slowly, slowly figuring it out. I was a, on a huge learning curve with that this past year. I've had an intuitive guide, intuition guide who's helped me to, to understand and appreciate and trust and believe in my own intuition. And it's been mind blowing. To, it took me this long in my life to have any trust in it and to see how how valuable and ever present it is all the time. And I can totally see how if you had to tap into someone's energy field enough to be able to, to do muscle testing on their behalf, of course, you're going to have all that insight, you know, without probably even having to do the muscle testing. It's probably almost just like a confirmation at that point, right? Yeah, no, I think, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think again, it's not because I'm special. I think that's just practice. practice. If we if we discover that essential part of the divinity of who we really are, then of course that's what we look for in other. That's what we see in others, right? So then you see that, and then so then the what look like traumas and things, which are, and I, again I don't underplay that, right? Because some people are deeply traumatized in their life, right? But it's just, the traumas are not them, right? So it's about it's about helping them discover I am so much more than the trauma that appears to have really hurt my life, right? And sometimes that takes time, obviously, right? But but sometimes just the fact that somebody is able to kind of look through the trauma and and appreciate and love and um, embrace that person, not their traumas, right? Then actually often that's the most liberating thing actually it's the thing that you know so i th i think we are designed to need each other right that's so i'll just i'll go my own path right and i'll go live in a cave or something right well and i've been tempted many times right? <laughs> as long as the cave had wi-fi and good tv right <laughs> but um you know we're, i think we're all tempted at some point just oh, i want to go away i want to get away right get away from people get away from this life and we're running towards ourselves, actually, right? We're trying to just, you know, I mean, it's natural, right? And uh, and I see that with my kids, right? I mean, you know, my kids are now grown. I mean, our baby's 25. I don't even know how that happened, right? And, uh, you know, as mums and dads, we look at our kids and we see them running headlong into a brick wall, right? It's like, oh, you know, and of course, what does dad know? 
right? You know, and they, they, it would appear we humans need to do it ourselves, right? We need to hit those walls. We need to trip over and fall over. Uh, it's not always, you know, I've got a wise parent, so then I'll be every, everything will be great. <laughs> but as I can tell, they are going hard at their own lives, right? And at some point, they have to discover themselves. Ah, oh, wow, that, that brick wall's the one I put there. Mm, you know, yeah. So it's a, but you know, I think we need each other. We need each other. Yeah, it's the essence of namaste, right? You have to see that divine in the other and 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 yeah. read it and honor it to help them along. That's yeah. beautiful. Which is not always easy, right? It's not, you know, some people it's really easy, right? And I, so of course, people who come to me, I see it. I find it easy because they're coming and saying, "Look, I, I need some help," right? But it's more difficult, you know, with, you know, certain political figures or, you know, uh, you know, Putin, the, the, therein lies the challenge, you know, we're called to love all for their divinity and some of them, that's harder than others, right? So how do we, how do we find the place within us to even recognize the me in that person? Yeah, right? that's, that is the challenge as well. Yeah, we're a, all growing into. And I think you're right that there's yeah. more of an awareness. I like to believe that. I feel like these kinds of conversations and these these people that, that we're all in this same sort of vibration, the same consciousness. And maybe that's just because, you know, as we grow in our own path, we're just going to attract more and more like. And maybe it's an illusion to me that this is something that, you know, we're we're possibly close to reaching a tipping point with but I do believe that I do believe that in spite of what looks like some gigantic steps backward if you look at the overview the whole that the we're the humanity's moving in that direction that you're talking about where we we are more aware yeah. of of the oneness and 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 when that tipping point happens which might not have to be a you know hundredth monkey like it has to to read this this certain halfway point i think it can just happen through the higher vibratory frequency of a smaller group but then i i think a lot of the things that we're so busy complaining about right now will just naturally adjust themselves right I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, ever the optimist, right? So, yeah. um, but you know, again, going back to David Hawkins, who loved to measure things, right? He measured everything with muscle tests, right? And, and don't quote me the exact number, right? But he, he's, I think he measured at one point that it's a thousand times more easy for, to be enlightened today than it was at the time of Buddha. But so that the level of consciousness is developing, right? And, but we have this timeline thing we humans and think that's such a long time right mm. but in the scheme of timelessness and you know who knows you know I, d I don't know but i think i do think that things are changing you know and there's all you know so much more um you know even what what we what we would call scientific evidence to show that there is the imp the impact of consciousness on activity on things you know i mean there's a lot of research and a lot, you know a lot of it is technically way but way beyond me right but you know a lot of you know my very rudimentary understanding of you know quantum physics etc is you know one of the key elements is that how when something changes when we notice it observe it's actually effect, yeah. changed, right so yeah so observation changes things right so you know over time i think that's incredibly hopeful right and uh, i think we are you know and you know in, in tm they talk about you know people meditating all at the same time in given cities over a long period of time and the crime rate going down mm -hmm. i mean these are i think just indicators of uh, as we begin to discover and live in our daily life who we really are that it does change the world and again, I think if it doesn't, we're in trouble, right? <laughs> right? Because if I read the newspapers, I'd say, you know, as they say in Australia, we're buggered. <laughs> right? But, um, but uh, you know, my hope is, and and I, I think, it, I, well, it's my experience is that things are changing, right? Yeah. How quickly, exactly how that'll happen. I don't know. I really don't know. But in a sense, knowing is not the key thing. Living it is the key thing. 
mm-hmm. just living that way right? because then because uh, the alternative is not very helpful right and even though quantum physics yeah. isn't new anymore it still takes so long for that understanding about the observer effect in particular to to filter down where we can use it i mean there are those of us trying to, to teach it and demonstrate it and say hey look this is really like some some magic that is real and science-based now but we just we haven't um it hasn't settled into public opinion yet so so we have to just keep chipping away at that i suppose yeah, um, but I think that's changed. I mean, you know, um, you know, get me excited about this stuff, right? But um, you know, because our particularly Western society, right, has has perpetuated the idea that we're material, we are material beings, mm-hmm. right? and so you know, even the quantum physicists, so many are coming from a materialist point of view, trying to figure out what's going on, which is amazing. So don't get me. I think it's amazing science, and they're amazing people, right? But this idea that we are fundamentally material and out of this material arises consciousness, you know, it's us backwards, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, it's totally. totally <laughs> right? So um, I think as more and more people have the experience that actually, no, we all, all, all things arise from consciousness, then science will become much more effective, actually. You know, mm-hmm. the, they'll be looking for the right things. I think sometimes they go down rabbit holes because they think we're material, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so um, you know, from that point of view, I'm also hopeful, right? So because, um, you know, now I it's hard for me to imagine how could you possibly see the world as material, right? I mean, just step outside and look at the tiny portion of the universe that we actually see, right? Not to mention the trillions and trillions of suns and stars and planets beyond which we can even measure. I and that's all just um, coincidental materialism. Where it just it strike it strikes me as at some point that which I think is obvious will you know, and it was certainly obvious to the ancient mystics and uh, uh, you know the the wisdom of many centuries. Um, will begin to change our society as well yeah there's so much now at a high educational level about that marriage between spirituality and science it's all coming together and like so many synchronous or you know just they had it right we lost sight of the truth somewhere along the way and and it's starting to all revolve back so that's a beautiful thing for for people who want to uh embrace that connection that that higher consciousness place i know you mentioned earlier you know you'd have to get off the cushion have to get off the cushion do you still recommend yes. getting on the cushion as a, a starting point i mean i meditation has been such a huge huge part of my journey i know you alluded to being an early adopter as well is that still one yeah. of the primary tools that you would suggest for for fostering that connection i think i think it's a wonderful tool right yeah i, I don't think it's the only tool right um, but it's a wonderful, it's like a, lots of tools. If you get stuck in the tool, then that's, that's not a good thing, right? So to become, you know, the, the greatest yoga performer or the greatest meditator is not the point, right? It's, it's a pathway to something more fundamental, right? But I think it's wonderful. So I often, you know, you know, my clients often will say, well, what do you, what do I do? You know, every day in everyday sense, right? So I, I often use a four step process right this sounds like home so, play to me okay y'all listen up i think whatever is about to come from ian is going to be your home play for these next two weeks if, if not we'll <laughs> we'll read we'll readjust but let's go for it yeah yeah so so four bit four bits right pause aware connect serve right and our society particularly western is full of connect and serve right and often not too much serve but lots of connect we're all connected you know on facebook whatever right all kinds of connections you could argue go nowhere right but that's another that's another story right but pause so there's all kinds of ways to pause but it basically is just stop stop just stop (laughs) right now if that means being on the cushion that's wonderful, right? That's wonderful, right? Or if it's walk a dog, or I've got, you know, I've got a person I'm working with now who surfs. I said, so, you know, when you're on a wave and the, and it's just, everything's there, what's that feel like? He goes, oh, can't explain. I said that. Pause, go there, sit there. 
you're on the on the end of your surfboard. So I think you know, and there are lots of wonderful um, forms of meditation. And I think particularly the concentration element is really helpful. I think because it gives us the 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 tools to stop the chatter getting in the way, right? So, mm-hmm. but so what I I said whatever it is that that most allows you just to pause, you know, pause, and then become aware of what arises when you pause, right? Because when you pause long enough, and it's not again it has to be three hours a day or whatever, right? Um, it it can be thirty seconds, right? Just pause and see what arises. And what arises is peace and joy over as you practice it, right? I mean, side story, right? I mean, I remember going to Vipassana for 10 days back when we had six small kids and I loved it, firstly, because I got away from <laughs> six small kids <laughs> screaming, right? But, you know, 10 days without any words, right? Silence, right? And, uh, and I remember we were, and it was wonderful, and I remember we were meditating all day, every day. And then at the end... The teacher said, now, so when you go back home, all you need to do is just an hour's meditation in the morning and an hour at night and just carry on, right? And I went, piece of cake. Oh, an hour, I've been doing eight hours a day. I'm the man. So, right. And, of course, it took me about three days to go, I haven't got an hour in the morning. Or an hour. I've got to help get the kids to school, right? And I was lucky to get five minutes, right? And... So I think whatever it takes, right, it is to, but to stop, right, just stop and pause, then become, see what arises. And then once we can connect to what arises, then connect to others or connect to what we're doing day-to-day life, whatever that is. And ultimately, I think that the greatest happiness in doing is when you serve, others i mean that's not rocket science it's Mm -hmm. just you know my kids often say to me dad this this can't be rocket science because you do this stuff right (laughs) sounds like kids so that's so that's my you know that's my process right you know if i'm if i see myself getting tangled up and stuff right i'll just it's a breath right or whatever it takes right just and, and when again it's just practice right when you practice it the breath takes you straight away to that place there and then you know if it's a business i've been in business lots right so sometimes a breath before a business meeting is just the thing you need right or in the middle of it when other people are getting excited or agitated or cranky with each other right a breath is the pause then become aware of well actually this is just a bunch of humans in a room right so what do we need to do to find the best way to connect and how to serve each other. So there's, you know, it's it's not rocket science, I don't think. It's not. It just takes practice. I was about to say, it's not rocket science, and yet it's definitely a built, acquired skill that comes with repetition, just like everything else. And, and when yeah. we want to break yeah. an old habit, we replace it with a new habit. So if there's a, a thing that typically pulls you off center or stresses you, replace it with this habit. And this is very similar to a lot of the, the home plays that, that, that emerge with the guests, you know, who are of our ilk and, and wavelength. And I love when that happens again and again, because I feel like this is what the listeners need. This is what I need. This is what we all need are these reminders again and again of how, like you're saying, how simple it can be. This is a little bit different and we're going to break down the process. But one of my, my joy scrollers, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast because I loved the analogy. She, she said, remember when you're a kid and you're in like the kiddie pool and you and your friends would like run around and around in a circle to create a whirlpool so you could tuck your little legs up and you just like spin around and, and life does that to us still. Like we're all in that current of like regular day-to-day life out there. It takes regular repetition of these concepts, these truths, these deeper wisdom ideas to be able to pull onto the side of the kiddie pool and start trying to make a, a countercurrent. So I love this home play. Y'all, okay, so the stop, the pause. We, we know to do this, right? And then we're going to see what, what comes into our awareness. We, we do a practice around, you know, what do I need right now? What am I feeling? Just really paying attention, being the observer, being the observer of whatever arises for you. And now are you saying, Ian, to connect 
with that or to use that as a connection point or that's a separate step to just connect with whatever's going on in the external after that point after we become aware of what comes up for us yeah look i think i mean again i think it's just practice right so obviously they actually merge right so but sometimes when something is needs practice we divide it into bits right and the bits kind of not quite natural right but i think they they help right so the pause is just take a breath or many breaths or an hour's minute whatever to practice just actually just stop stop but i mean you know we're not the cliche right we're not human doings we're human beings right so just be right and then allow when, when you're in that quiet place things will arise right now often people go oh but all i get is the noise of my thoughts right and it's like okay just practice Pause right? longer <laughs> underneath the thoughts and don't get cranky about it right you know because oh, i can't meditate too many thoughts come it's like just stay still right and i, I shared that parker palmer quote with you right yes Who i love yes you know, i love writing, that quote right? do you yeah, have it and, do you want me to read he, it he talks about yeah, in fact, I've got it in front yeah, of me yeah, too. Yeah, you read right? it. This you read it. Good. I love that it. quote. Yeah. Because so, Parker Palmer wrote this beautiful book, A Hidden Wholeness, right? And he's from a Quaker background, right? Who and Quakers were are traditionally wonderful at just sitting in silence, right? Sitting in silence, right? And he'd say the soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, savvy, self-sufficient, and yet exceedingly shy. If we want to see a wild animal the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods, shouting for the creature to come out. But if we're willing to walk quietly in the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge and out of the quarter of an eye, we will catch a glimpse of the precious wildness we seek. I mean, that's beautiful, right? Ooh, goosebumps. But I think it's spot on right so just just be patient sit at the base of a tree uh, you know and initially it might be for a time right but it uh, the more you practice then it actually can happen quite quickly I mean, if you take his analogy if you meet a deer you know the first time you know and then a second and a third after a while the deer is not afraid of you at all right it'll just go oh you again i'll come up and say good day mm. you know so if we practice it, we can, there's a place within that is the seat of peace. Mm-hmm. And just that's the pause. And then being aware, then what arises from that, right? And it's inevitably peace and joy. Mm-hmm. Just that's the nature of who we are, right? And yeah. then, and then how do I connect that to the stuff I do every day, whether it's mm-hmm. going to work, how do I treat my kids? You know, that actually all changes when you allow that pause and awareness to seep into what you do, how you connect. Mm. And then inevitably, I think uh, you get moved towards serving yeah. because you go, well, I've got something I got to help people, you know, like what, what can I do to help others? And, and there, and it's a circle, right? Because therein lies great joy. Actually, there's a natural joy. We are designed to help others. That's that came that's up in the last are, podcast right? too. It's it's really not a, a selfless uh, thing that, that that people do who are who are so dedicated to serving. It's a very selfish, that selfful thing. It's 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 because it brings such joy to do that. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I'm working on a project with some others at the moment, which we're calling the Wisdom Path, and it's about bringing communities what we're calling conscious communities together to serve each other right because actually you know if you look at the news it looks like the world's falling apart 
and in many parts it looks like it is doing that right but um there are so many communities of people who are dedicated to the service and care for others like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them right and often they're not connected to each other and 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 therefore could be empowered by being more connected to each other so part of that project is to do that is to help connect those different communities so that the service can then blossom even more so you know services uh, you know i mean every great teacher of history has taught it right i mean you know love others as you love yourself you know forgive your enemies well all those all the stuff is it's just simple and true so often we, we can't quite figure out how do I fit that when I'm dealing with this cranky manager who doesn't care anything about me? How do I do that? Well, and people go, well, it just doesn't work. And I say, it doesn't look like it works, but what's the alternative? Become more cranky like that person or um, love them, forgive them, right? see what happens. See how it feels with, within with you with the, each of those options, yeah your own vibratory state. I love that. Ian, tell people how they can work with you or, uh, but if somebody wanted to get a last minute holiday gift and they're like, this guy is blowing my mind, what can I buy somebody on my holiday lift uh, list through his services? Tell us about that possibility. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, people can just um, come to to my website, right? So the website is www.com theclearmindway.com so all one word the clear mind can, way the clear mind way.com and uh just if they want to they're welcome to book a session and and uh you know i am in australia so the timing sometimes can be a bit off you know for some people hard so we if that's the case yeah it's worked so if that's the case people can just email me right which is on that side there's an email which is ian at the clear and say, you know, I'm in the US and I can't, I can't find a spot on your calendar, you know, that isn't 3 a.m. So um, can we can we work on a time, right? So, um, yeah, people are welcome to do that. And, and I do it by donation, right? So it's not about um, how much money you got. It's about, you know, and I, I feel lucky to be able to do that, right? Because there was a time in my life where I actually felt like I couldn't do that, right? Because I had six kids to support and stuff to do, right? Um, now I'm at, at that different end of, or different part of my life where I had the, the you know, the joy to be able to go, um, you know, I, do, I always encourage people to give something just because there's an exchange of energy, I think. Sure. Right? But, but, but um, so yeah, that's, um, and there's a, on my, there's also another website I have, which is www this-day.org mm. and that's that uh, I'm working with a uh, actually a Kiwi and New Zealander who lives in Japan who is a wonderful mystical uh, beautiful meditation and spiritual teacher of 45 years uh, and we are doing a podcast together and um, but also um, working on this idea of helping bring conscious communities together it's a beautiful vision. I love that. I think I know what I'm yeah, going to so, put on my holiday list uh, for, for the next little bit of time. And I'll remind you all, if you would like to gift a Joy School experience, there's also a gift of giving sort of a situation going on at lisamccourt.com. If you want to give somebody a Joy School, there's a way for you to um, receive uh, your, your, your gift for giving along with that. So you can check that out at lisamccourt.com. Ian, this has been so exciting to play with you. I hope it's not the last time. We will yeah, stay no, connected. Thank you. I really, no, I really, really appreciate the opportunity and the, and the chance to meet you and talk with you. And you know, it's kind of an amazing world, right? We, from you know, some upper dirt road in Australia talking to someone in Florida, right? I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I'm I'm old enough and have uh, you know a bald head enough to go. This is just amazing. <laughs> And it really I, feels like we're ready. I remember those days when we just had long distance phone calls that costed the earth. Right? right. And now we can, for free, pretty much, talk to someone, see somebody on the other side of the world. It's like, wow, amazing. <laughs>
And like you've pointed out, it's our energy is together anyway. Energy is non-local. It's, it's not like there's any any real difference there just because of that silly globe between us. So take this home play into your holiday week, y'all. It's a perfect time to practice that pause and savor those moments. This is the season meant to be savored and, and to reach that divine place within you, however that works out in your, your own unfolding week. I love you all. Happy, happy holidays, and I will see you, I suppose, on the flip side of the new year. Ian, pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Joy comes in many flavors, but they all start with you being full-on glorious you. If you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey, find me at lisamccourt.com. And as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. Much love. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.